Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 96 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined in person by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hey, hey, hello there, college football fans and Husker fans. Yes, yes. Uh, I am here in Arizona visiting my folks for the Thanksgiving holidays. Yes, we are recording live, actually, uh, on the uh, actual day of Thanksgiving. That's true. This is Thanksgiving Day podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll plan on doing our next episode after the upcoming uh, Iowa game for Nebraska. We'll be doing that in person as well. Yes, that's kind of cool. Uh, So, (laughs) for those of you listening out there who may not be regular listeners to the podcast, this is College Football Throwdown. We are a father-son duo doing a college football podcast by college football fans for college football fans. And we're here to talk about the national stage, but mostly our team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, that we love so much. And uh, on this week's episode, we will be diving into the game against Illinois, as well as the other uh, big games that happened this weekend. There are actually quite a few upsets that are worth noting. Those of you who listened to our episode 95 would know that we gave our predictions on how we thought that the game was going to go. And uh, we were both feeling feeling good after that Penn State victory, you know, that uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost had kind of gotten something going together. And uh, you predicted, or rather I predicted, that uh, we would beat Illinois 31-21. And you gave two scores, 42-21 victory or 42-38 victory. I think... You were basing that off of thinking that they were use their second team quarterback, right? The guy who ran for a bunch of yards in their previous game, right? And whether we would assign a guy to you know hold the box for him or not, right? Like if our defense would make that adjustment, right? Um, and uh, unfortunately, neither of our predictions turned out to be right because Illinois uh, kind of flipped that score. Your score, 42-21, that's pretty close to how it was the opposite way, yeah, 41-23 victory for Illinois. Sad. Yes. Sad day. Very disappointing. Oscar Nation. Yes. Fortunately. Very disappointing. One thing we historically do is uh, try to crack open a beer, but uh, in our uh, excitement about uh, being together and as the holiday, and uh, as it were, uh, we inadvertently opened our beverages a little too soon, Alex. So yes. So I, I, I uh, want to just quickly say today I'm drinking a Shell's Firebrick Vienna style amber lager. I've spoken about this beer before. It's a, it's from August Shell Brewing Company in New Ulm, Minnesota, the second oldest brewery in America, and it's a very fine amber type of lager. Cheers to you, son. Here we go. All right, we'll clink cans. <laughs> I picked up it all, and I'm no. just drinking a Sprite because it's 10 a.m. and my dad's <laughs> chugging down a beer. But I guess it's Thanksgiving morning, right? <laughs> exactly. There we go. <laughs> All right. Always always time for a good amber. <laughs> Never a bad time, huh? That's it's, right. Was it? It's always 9 o'clock somewhere or whatever. 5 o'clock, not five, 9 o'clock. 5 o'clock, there you go. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Um, one interesting thing, if uh, looking at the stats for this game, um, is that um, they seem to be a little bit closer than you would expect for given how lopsided the score was. For example, both teams had 25 first downs. And they had a 490 total offense, whereas we had 392. So, you know, they had 100 more, but it's not uh, too crazy. Um, but, of course, uh, one of the key stats to look at is that both teams had four fumbles 
but they recovered all of theirs, whereas we only re- recovered two of ours. Right. And so we ended up having a total of five turnovers over the course of the game, yeah. uh, one of which came literally on the first play. Right. Where, and was an, a wrong call, but was not reviewed. Yes. That, I, yeah, that, that got us off to a bad start, clearly, because it gave them an easy score. And at the very least, yeah, it should have been reviewed for such an important turnover so early and it didn't seem it seemed like it was on the edge of whether that was a forward pass or not so they really should have taken a closer look I think right and since this is uh, being uh, broadcast or recorded rather uh, later in the week uh, than we normally would uh, the the interesting thing is is when asked about it the coaches at Nebraska indicated that they felt they were told by the referees that they were going to get a review which is why they didn't call a timeout. They thought it was going to get reviewed, so they didn't. They didn't aggressively go and stop the game to to kind of force the question because they right, use a, they well, claim they it, were told, and the ref said we never intended to review it because we didn't have the right angle. Now, how they determined that so quickly, and frankly, we watched replays from the broadcast booth, uh, you know, on the broadcast itself, and I think two of those replays showed very clearly that. Uh, uh, based on where uh, the quarterback was, and motion of his arm, the path of the of the pass, uh, it was clearly uh, a forward pass and should have been an incompletion. And why that is so important, Alex, and because uh, you know there's not much to break down about this game other than than Nebraska played like shit pretty much across the board, and and uh, a lot of the burden falls on the coaches because. Uh, because of mistakes like the one we just described about not calling a timeout at that point, uh, the the mistake in terms of the you know some of the other critical plays, a lot of it comes back to coaching. But uh, the bottom line is, is that that play encapsulizes what is wrong with, with our team right now, which is we have no confidence. Any negative plays, any bad news, so to speak, causes us to fall apart. We have no mental dedication and toughness to sustain through adversity and and then lead to a win. We need to do that. And until our team sees that, both in practice and in games, we're going to continue down this path. And that's where, you know, all these people that go back through the years, one of the reasons I always argue why uh, uh, Coach Schneider uh, down at Kansas State was able to develop a winner from a program that had been historically one of the worst programs in the entire country for like a decade, right? And then Schneider comes in there and turns the thing around. Well, how does he do it? He plays patsies. He plays patsies and allows his team to experience wins and success. And then over time, slowly started getting better and better, getting better recruits, getting better coaches, et cetera, et cetera. And he put together a winner. And then you know, was playing, uh, uh, he knew he had big boys in his league that he would eventually be able to compare himself against. So there was no need to go out in non-conference and play big boys when you knew you were going to see a few every year in your conference, right? So uh, play the lesser schools, win a lot of those games, get yourself to bowl games, ensure yourself the extra practice and the winning confidence, right? I think that is critical to the formula. The problem Nebraska's had is, they have not taken advantage of those opportunities when they've been presented over the last decade since they joined the Big Ten. And then once they get into Big Ten conference play, our Big Ten conference uh, you know, schedule over time has been uh, uh, substantially sprinkled with 
major players, right? Good teams. And so we've never been able to get over that edge, over that hump. And so my argument would be, and the problem is the next four or five years do not portend this at all because uh, our schedules are going to continue to be very tough. So having a stretch of easy games is not in our future. But frankly, we need some of those games to build confidence and then climb that hill. Right. Well, to your earlier point, what you were saying about us not being able to uh, get that confidence and you know how we fall apart once things start going badly. Um, I saw a sign that there was some difference in this current team uh, from last week's game or you know the Penn the, State the Penn game. State game right right because we were really the offense was throwing the game away you know in Penn State's favor and the defense managed to hold it down and Correct. stop them from scoring you know twice back to back there in the fourth quarter um, which I think did show that uh, resilience right and honestly. Once again, I mean, when the offense turns the ball over five times, like no defense is going to be able to overcome, overcome that. I totally agree. So you know, I, I, I obviously we I have issues with how we played defensively because they were able to get a lot of things going against us. Um, but my concerns at this moment are more so on the offensive side because we did get yep. some success, you know, going on drives. Um, or, for example, uh, would have receivers open, you know, and then McCaffrey would throw to them and either just or totally throw. miss the mark or just wouldn't have the arm strength to get there. Like, mm-hmm. you might remember that uh, one later on in the game where he went deep and the guy was open, yep. but his ball was so loft, yeah, lofty mm-hmm. that it slowed way down, and so the, the their Safety. guy was able to easily get in there and intercept it. Right, right, exactly. He, he was open, and if someone had put that on a rope, that's a big play. But because he didn't have the arm strength to get it there, the safety was able to easily come over and just jump in front of it and pick it off. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And and last week, or the, I should say the Penn State victory, would have been a stepping stone in the direction that I'm talking about, building that confidence of, of mental toughness. But you have to then follow that up with another good week uh, and, and more success and then just build off of that, right? And that was the hope and the expectation. Now, the fact that our culture still isn't good enough for our players to recognize the need to do that, because there is acknowledgement this week also that they didn't have a good week of practice that they were resting on their laurels, so to speak, that they um, did not put in the focus and, and effort in preparation for Illinois. They genuinely thought they were going to beat Illinois comfortably. Right. And that, I don't give a damn if you think you're going to beat somebody by four touchdowns. You still go 100% every pl- play of right. practice or whatever. Right. And I know, yeah, the different like odds makers and things were you know bringing us up mm-hmm. by quite a few points, but... Uh, those players, and I know the coaches hopefully were aware of the fact that uh, they had players coming back from COVID and injury, and this team that we, this Illinois team that we played is more complete than they've been the whole season, um, and it showed. You know, they're, they're, they played their first team quarterback, not the second team guy who did all the running that we were talking about on the previous podcast, um, and he was able to execute some nice throws um, and run it when he had to. You know, he clearly wasn't that fast, but right. he got the job done against us. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and they, you know, uh, credit to their coaches, they came in with a good game plan, and uh, we uh, we couldn't make the adjustments that we really needed to at halftime because it was yeah it was already looking bad at that point. And then in the at near the end of the third quarter when we were. Uh, Juan Dale was running it, and I remember distinctly in an earlier run, I think, where we got a touchdown, 
uh, w- that was Wandale's the biggest play we had of the game where Wandale had like a 30 yard run right and they were trying to strip the ball from him and he right. held on tight you yes. know and powered through it and I was like oh. all right nice job right but then at that end of the third quarter he coughs the ball up right right when we you know that was a point where like we needed to get a touchdown there to stay in the game and we cough up the ball I was like okay I'm done watching so right. I didn't watch the fourth quarter <laughs> I know we scored one touchdown and went for two and didn't get it right uh but yeah I mean the game was pretty much over oh, at yeah. that point absolutely yeah, yeah that that's just uh, yeah and and that's the thing and and credit Illinois here that they played extremely well way better than they had uh, looked uh, previously in the season and their their coaches had things very well prepared. You know, that's 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 the thing that's most frustrating to me is the uh, uh, coaching. The coaching, yeah. That the fact that it just seems like our team is not as prepared. Like the the punt that was not a fake punt, but that got them oh, a first down yeah. anyway. That was not a fake punt. That was a that was a punter uh, simply assessing the situation and having the green light from his coaches because they trusted him. Okay, and that they had obviously prepared and practiced enough punting uh, in practice to know the circumstances and have coached through that. He didn't do that unilaterally on his own. I guarantee you that was discussed, and he was given a green light to be looking for that situation and to seize it if it came, and he did it. Yeah. And and that was a backbreaker. That was a huge point, in my opinion, in the yeah. game. Um, so right, we were – there was going to be a, a three, three and out. out. Yeah. And then that drive ended up – I forget if a they touchdown. got touchdown. Was it a touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, it was a I think it was just a field goal. Yeah. yeah I you're was right. gonna say I think it was a field goal. I think but, we did stop. But it. yeah, and I remember that point too, because earlier we had been rushing guys on the punt. I had taken note of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that particular one, we there was nobody. Right. Nobody to stop him. Right. So so it's it, the, it's those kinds of details, okay, that that make for a well coached team or a poorly coached team. And it's it's the simple stuff. It's the same stuff that you know, high school coaches review, right? And the fact that as a as a collegiate program, you don't have that in place is a problem. Now, um, you know, breaking down that that particular play, you you need to understand that there is uh, one person assigned to to spy the punter and make sure he punts. They figured that out on their film assessment. They said, okay, we just have to block this guy. If we block this guy, everyone else can turn around and run. So. The spy got blocked. Well, that's why you have to have more than one spy. You have to change up who your spies are so that you can't, in, in film study, get figured out that easily by the opponent, right? You right. have to change that up. That's something we did in high school, okay? We understood that you had to do that. How could Nebraska not understand that and not, not be prepared for that? Yep. That's crap. Yep. And that's the kind of stuff that we need to have from our coaches that we're not getting. Yep, absolutely true. Um, and one other thing that we discussed because we were texting back and forth during the game is um, at halftime after McCaffrey had clearly he would you know he was still having some good runs as you'd expect from him but not having success with his arm at all really um, not being there mentally uh, and um, so we discussed oh what if uh, should we bring Adrian in and we both kind of thought yeah give him a shot you know. Uh, Luke's struggling, so give Adrian a shot. But McCaffrey came out in the start of the second half, and he and on our first drive where we had possession, he had a nice drive where we scored points. So I was feeling okay, you know, uh, maybe McCaffrey can turn this around for us. But after that drive, um, right. it was back to the same old stuff. Right. So for this upcoming game against Iowa, if you're Coach Frost, 
who are you starting as quarterback? Oh, I'm going back to Adrian. Yeah. And here's why. Um, not because uh, I like uh, doing the bouncing quarterback, but uh, if you listen to Coach Frost, he he has said from the throughout this whole thing that it's an open competition, and he's mm-hmm. never really identified either one as the permanent starter since um, you know e- even when Adrian got the first start in the first game, you know it was clear that he was hedging his bets, right? So. Um, I believe that he still views it as those two being co-starters. And I think uh, the last game hopefully gave him indications and something he's probably been seeing in practice and why he had been hesitant to turn the keys over to to McCaffrey is because McCaffrey's arm strength simply is not there to get done what needs to be done. Now, the accuracy of uh, Adrian Martinez's stronger arm is also unacceptably poor. And so, effectively, we don't have either one of those are good enough quarterback-wise to execute the offense the way Scott wants it done. Right now, he's probably more frustrated than any of us that he hasn't seen Adrian mature and develop and improve as a quarterback to the point where now, in his third year as our starter, uh, that he isn't a much more polished and accurate quarterback within our system. He still rushes himself. He's still nervous. You know, so he's got he's got issues. Now McCaffrey seemed to uh, play with greater poise and confidence, but you can see his physical limitations as a passer, both from the standpoint of the physical part of throwing it, but but also the decision making part, right? The progressions and things of that nature. Right. Because um, he and, he's made he's and, threw some passes. Yeah. That were and, not and, and the well advised. The mental part of it, you know, some of that could be chalked up to him being a retro freshman. You mm-hmm. know, he's still learning the system. He wasn't expected to be the starter right out the gate. Right. So I can forgive some of that. On the point about his physical arm, how much of that, you know, do you think like? Because obviously he can get stronger, you know, he can get better at that over the course of you know his, his career, his career at Nebraska. Absolutely. But, but you, is it one of those things where he'll never be good enough to be, you know, where we want him to be in terms of being able to threaten well, the deep pass? Right. I, I think he, I think he can get better, uh, but he'll never be exceptional at that. Right. And, and frankly, that that goes back to you know we recruited him as a quarterback, because that's what he wanted, right? Because uh, other teams were recruiting him also, but they were recruiting him as an athlete slash wide receiver, and we were the ones that were going to give him the shot to play quarterback. And and Scott has been consistent in saying that, uh, that Luke, is, Luke is, my, is, is here as a quarterback. And we used him, of course, with great success last year as a receiver and, and a running back even a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then the early, early, this, early games this year. Yeah. And to me – that might be the role that he most benefits the team because we want him out there running the football with that speed and his elusiveness. He's pretty good. We want him out there, right? We don't have enough talent not to have, not to utilize him at least some of the time. But I think we need to go back to Adrian and, and we just have to, you know, um, work with Adrian to try to improve his accuracy and his decision making so that he makes decisions quicker. Uh, gets more comfortable and throws uh, with better uh, mechanics so that he can be more consistently accurate. Yeah, my my, I agree with you that I think Adrian should start this upcoming Iowa game, and my hope is that this these couple games he's at all off now, you know, right. has given him a moment to pause and kind of self reflect a bit. Um, that's my hope, <laughs> that, that, but it's kind of a long shot, I right? Know. <laughs> exactly. Well, and my question is, you know, we we also have a third 
third-string quarterback by the name of Smothers, who is a true freshman, um, came in early. Um, you know, it was a big, huge hit to him to not have spring practice. If Smothers had had spring practice and had those 15 extra practices, he might have been quite a bit further along for fall camp and been able to truly be in the competition. Because if, uh, if his arm and accuracy are superior to that of the two um, guys competing now, he would be absolutely a legitimate option for us to use because he is also a very good athlete and can run the football and has a, a you know tradition in his high school performance that he can run the football. But he had some injuries late in, the, in his high school season when his senior year and then missing um, uh, spring, spring practice, practice. Yeah. put him so far behind that frankly we would be throwing uh, you know throwing to the wolves right, if, the uh, the if wolves. we if we uh, did that. So that's why he's really not an option we want to go to unless we're forced to by injuries. Right. So gotcha. All right. Um, so looking at the games from week thirteen. Uh, we predicted one of them in terms of our scores, which is that Indiana-Ohio State game, a very important game in the Big Ten. Um, I predicted that Ohio State would win, but that it would be close, 42-38, whereas you predicted a little bit less close, but still close, of 35-28. Uh, and the final score for that game ended up being 35-Indiana-42, Ohio State. So it was a seven-point game, like you said, um, but it was a little bit higher scoring, like I said, so we were both... A little bit right there. Yes. And Ohio State ended up winning. But what's significant is that um, I didn't watch the uh, the game, but I was kind of – I had the, the score play-by-play play pulled up in uh, uh, on ESPN during our game. Yes. Um, and it was 28-7 uh, to 7 by halftime um, with some turnovers on both sides, as I recall. It, it hadn't been a Correct. super – Clean, uh, clean game. Yeah. Um, but uh, Indiana clearly made some good halftime adjustments, kind of rallied back, and you know, uh, I don't know if they were ever within the point of like you know where they're actually in threat of tying the game because you know they were really they had a long hill to climb. Right. No, they back up, they but. definitely caught back up, but but again, it was one of those things where again for the for the first half of the game, you know, Ohio State even with the, the turnover. Uh, was still, you know, outclassing them pretty significantly. And what is the Achilles heel of Ohio State, and has been for years, has been their tendency to um, uh, go to sleep, for right. lack of a better term. Just getting bored because there's just not enough competition sometimes, and they can kind of just lose it, right? And then teams that are inferior to them kind of catch up. Uh, that's one uh, element of their weakness. The other one would be to just have bad things happen from the very beginning and the wheels just come off completely, which has happened to them uh, in recent years as well, uh, where you know a team ends up blowing them out, right? Right. Um, and that's the only loss they have the whole year. Uh, they right the ship and, and away they go. Well, Indiana, because it's a, uh, a team with uh, great confidence, right? We talked about confidence early in, the co- in this podcast and the critical nature of it and they have a quarterback who's competent it just shows how very very critical having a good quarterback for your system is to football well, we're going to cover some other teams i think that will touch on that same subject <laughs> yeah well i think the good transition for the, for that topic is that michigan rutgers game yes. which in a normal year you would expect michigan to crush rutgers uh, but it turned out to be a 
48-42 shootout that went into triple overtime. Right. Um, and Michigan was losing that game until they swapped in uh, their new quarterback. Right. And, and again, they're struggling to find a quarterback who can execute their system at a, at a, at a decent level. You know, they don't have to be all-conference, all-Americans, but you got to at least right. be able to execute. And see, Nebraska's still struggling to find a quarterback who's complete. I mean, like, for like 20 years. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, when yeah. was the last quarterback who was complete? You know, I, 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 there, even the Martinez, T- Taylor Martinez, for example, was an incredible athlete but had inferiority in, in his passing. I mean, was, the last – Last one I can think of is Armstrong was also uh, Zach Taylor back to the Callahan days. Exactly, that's exactly who I was thinking of. You know, he 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 could pass the ball pretty good. He wasn't nearly the athlete that some of the other ones were, but you know, it was good enough. Great decision maker, and uh, you know, he wasn't a super strong quarterback, although he did you know get on with a a, a NFL team and 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 be able to play a little bit uh, and and you know make a squad. But he never he never was a starter. Right now he's a head coach in the NFL, you know, or was. So uh, uh, he's a guy that obviously has done very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, pretty bad that you have to go back 15 years to yeah. talk about that quarterback. Exactly. And um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see. Michigan now has uh, Penn State this weekend. And mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm almost certain they're going to go with that backup as their starter uh, and and bench Milton. Uh, and uh, that's going to be interesting uh in terms of the dynamic for the for the team because, you know, um, he was going to be their future, right? Because he's a strong-armed, big-bodied, athletic guy. And now they're putting him on the shelf for more uh, – back to a more traditional, you know, not as athletic, tall, uh, you know, thrower. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, and on that point, uh, Penn State played against our upcoming opponent in uh, week 13 of the season – uh, against Iowa, and they lost pretty badly, uh, twenty-one to forty-one. So they're going into that Michigan game having zero wins on their plate. Um, so both Penn State and Michigan, you know, not having the seasons that they want. But we think that with this quarterback adjustment, Michigan will have the upper hand in that particular game. Um, what did you see from Iowa in that game against Penn State that has you uh, thinking about our upcoming game with them? Mm. Uh, Iowa, after struggling early in the year and losing their first two games, has righted the ship, has established a running game, you know, classic Iowa football, and they looked great. In fact, I would say that that Penn State game was the most complete game that Iowa had played the whole season. And uh, so that's not a good place for us to be as Nebraska fans going into a game where Iowa is clearly playing at a way higher level than us. Uh, and so you can expect an, a game very much like the Illinois game in that Illinois uh, didn't make very many mistakes. Um, they, their wide receivers, not only were they getting open, but they were catching the ball when the ball was thrown to them and the ball was being thrown accurately. Okay, So all aspects of their offense were, were working well. Now, Illinois didn't have a great defense, but was able to make us one-dimensional because we simply can't throw it deep. And even an average defense can shut down an offense that's one-dimensional. Uh, Iowa is way better defensively than Illinois right. and has a similar efficient offense. So it's going to be a very difficult challenge for Nebraska to do that. The one thing I would say, though, on Nebraska's favor is uh, Illinois had some big 
uh, and, and just strong wide receivers, right? And they had not played to their potential before the Nebraska game. Then they emerged in that Nebraska game as real talents, right? And everybody knew they had the talent. They just hadn't put it all together with their quarterback. Well, they did against us. <laughs> so the question is, can we match up better with Iowa's wide receivers and tight ends than we did with Illinois? Because I think the quarterbacks of those two teams, Illinois and Iowa, are similar. Efficient. Uh, you can expect them to make good decisions. They're going to be able to run the ball effectively enough to punish you with first downs if you don't contain them, even though they're not going to be running wild, athletic, you know, uh, runners, right. but they're going to get it done. So the question then becomes, can we match up with those wide receivers and as a result slow them down and by virtue of doing that be able to put people in the box so we can stop the running game? Indeed, that is the big question. It is. Um, another interesting game in the Big Ten that I think we talked about briefly was Wisconsin versus Northwestern. Um at the time, I believe I said that I thought, oh, Wisconsin's going to control that game easy, you know, because they had just come off a dominant win over uh, Mi- uh, Michigan. Um, but actually, uh, Northwestern ended up winning that game 17-7, to in big part because Wisconsin turned the ball over, I don't I even... think it was five times, yeah. five total turnovers. Right, yeah, and a lot, like, one after the other, it seemed like in the first quarter half you know it was yeah. a lot in succession and then just you know good defense being played on both sides like clearly Wisconsin's defense stopped Northwestern a bunch right um, they only scored you know 17, 17 points. points right um but uh yeah not not a great look for Wisconsin you know do you think that was a situation of them kind of sleeping at the wheel a little bit well yes and and all uh, but also it's 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 about the turnover thing right and uh, there are certain teams in our league, Illinois being one of them, is already reputable and well-known for stripping the ball and producing turnovers. They have led the country or led the conference and in some cases been very high in the rankings in the country on turnovers margin, right? And, and they're just known for that, right? And, um, and then I would say that uh, Northwestern is right behind them in that category, right? Yeah. They are just super disciplined. And, and they, their technique is very well coached. And so you could just pretty much count on the fact that their whole defensive scheme is built on the idea that during the course of a game, they're going to get some turnovers. And they do. And that's, uh, that, that's, that's, that's what they did to slow Wisconsin down. So was it Wisconsin not being as prepared? Maybe a little, but I don't think that was the big factor. I think the biggest factor is just Northwestern is so – disciplined and good on defense and then now their offense is solid enough to make you pay right last year they had a very good defense but just couldn't couldn't put any points on the board you know their their life depended on it kind of thing and um this year they've got more offense that's what's made them turn the corner yep yep that's true um and then in the big 12 there was oklahoma state versus oklahoma um i think I predicted, you predicted that Oklahoma would win. I went for the upset saying Oklahoma State would uh, pull it out. Uh, but that did not turn out to be true. Oklahoma won that comfortably 41-13. to 13. Um, So now I'm pretty sure it's uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State, ironically, that are uh, like the top contenders right now in the uh, Big 12, uh, which leads us nicely into the games this weekend, where probably the biggest one is Iowa State versus Texas. Um 
So basically, Iowa State is in control of their own destiny. They play Texas, and then they play West Virginia after that. And if they win both those games, then you know they're like the top dog in the Big 12. Right. Now the question is, are they going to have a, 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 a Big 12 championship? And if they do, then who's ever number two, i.e. Oklahoma, uh, ends up, let's say they end up number two, Oklahoma does. Well, then they get to play Iowa State again right. in the conference championship game, and they will beat them. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm going to tell you right now, Oklahoma is going to be the Big 12 champion, regardless of what happens this week with uh, Iowa State and Texas. Okay, that that may or may well be true. Um, but in terms of this game, um, I didn't yeah. look up where it was. I don't know which stadium it's in. That's a great um, question. But I personally would love to see Iowa State pull it out. Of course, because well, we all hate Texas here as basketball <laughs> fans, so that's no surprise to anybody. But also. Um, I know they've, you know, at our time in the Big 12, Iowa State was consistently one of the worst teams. Um, but they've been slowly improving. Like, over the time we've been in the Big 10, I've seen them, you know, kind of building up their program, getting better. So to see them kind of turn the corner this year would be good to see, I think. I totally agree. And, yeah, they have a great coach who they're going to probably struggle to hold on uh, to. Hold on to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be the challenge for them, I'm afraid. Right. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. We mentioned Penn State, Michigan, you know, the two uh, struggling teams in the Big Ten. Uh, and then, of course, we have Alabama-Auburn, you know, classic rivalry game. Um, Can I make one comment? It is at Texas. Uh, okay. Well, so that makes it a bit harder. Yes, it does. Um, but, yeah, the, the Alabama-Auburn game, what's the name of the rivalry? Uh, the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl, that's what I thought. Um, Auburn is ranked 22nd, uh, whereas Alabama is ranked first. So based on that, you know, you would say Alabama should win pretty comfortably. But uh, we know that uh, Auburn seems to always come to play in that Iron Bowl. That is true. That is absolutely true. Uh, uh, although I, I'm going to say this is one of the years where the differential is great enough uh, in the talent and the way, the execution level that unless unless Alabama comes into this game in some way – not prepared, and because there is not uh, a crowd uh, to the extent that there normally would be, the home field, um, either way, is less of a factor. I just think, you know, playing in a sandlot um, on the side with not many, many people watching, Alabama wins nine out of ten times, and so. Yeah, you know, I, I will say I read something that um, apparently Nick Saban tested positive for COVID again. Again? Yeah. Oh. Um, and, of course, you know, I think they're going to do more tests, of course, to see if it was a false positive like last time. Um, but if he uh, is not able to be in the game, that could be the, uh, the opening that uh, Auburn needs to, uh, you know, find a chink in their armor, as you say. Right, right. Well, um, that could be. But, oh God, I, would you not like to be the guy who's testing Nick Saban? Because if he ends up getting two false positives, he's going to, like, strangle the person who takes his tests, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. That, that, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving oh, end I want of to, that. I want to be a fly on the wall for that one. <laughs> um, but uh, going to predictions now, that Iowa State-Texas game, obviously I think you think because of that home field advantage – uh, that Texas is going to pull it I out, do. and but. Texas is four and two also, so they would end up tying, and so you you would end up with Iowa State at six and two. If 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 Iowa State loses and Texas wins, then you're going to end up with 
Texas, Oklahoma, um, let's see, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, all in that, all in the mix, right? Right. And who's going to be one and who's going to be two is going to be an interesting thing how they do the tiebreakers and stuff. But I believe that if if Oklahoma wins out, they will be in that top two uh, solidly. And then uh, Iowa State, uh, even if they lost this week, would still be in the mix and may end up number two, but because of the head-to-head, maybe not. Maybe they end up, and it ends up being an Oklahoma-Texas Big 12 championship game, which frankly would be more interesting, I think, more competitive, not more interesting, but more competitive than, uh, just because of talent, than Iowa State. But I I, I want so desperately for Iowa State to find a way to win. So I'm going to predict, even though I think Texas wins because it's at home for Texas, home field doesn't matter as much this year. I'm going to say Iowa State because they are just so damn well coached. And, but it's going to be tight. It'll be a, one of those games that'll be classic Big 12, high scoring. So I'm going to say it's going to be like, gosh, 42 uh, Iowa State, 35 Texas. Okay. Uh, I also have faith in the Hawkeyes to. Not Hawkeyes. Oh. Cyclones. Cyclones. There we go. Cyclones to pull something out. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and predict that Iowa State will win as well. I'll go a little bit higher scoring. Um, I'll go ahead and say 49. Well, maybe not 49. Let's go 45. Or uh, wait. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of the numbers. Um, yeah, because 42. Yeah, so 45 makes sense. So 45 Iowa State, and we'll say uh, 42 Texas. It'll be a field oh, goal difference. Okay. Yep. Well, you got Hawkeye on your brain, by the way, because that's who we play. Oh, all right. Well, and that's the score we're going to predict next. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, is that Iowa game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and be hopeful and say that we go with Adrian and that he has you know, made some mental adjustments, hopefully, to himself. And so we're able to um, compete, you know, at least for a while. Um, but to your point uh, about how effective their offense proved to be against Penn State... Um, I just don't feel we'll be able to hang with them for four full quarters. Um, so I'm going to predict that Iowa wins. Um, I'll go ahead and say it'll be um, 35 to 24. Okay. Now you put me in a predicament. Because I, uh, I also think Iowa's going to win, and I think it could be a blowout. Okay? But I so desperately want Nebraska to win. Uh, that I struggle with admitting what I want to admit. Uh, But I guess, you know, I'm going to throw my heart away for a little bit here, and I'm going to try to be uh, the objective guy that says, you know what, until Nebraska can prove it, you know, I just can't can't give you a prediction that says they're going to win. Um, So I'm going to say that – a little bit um, like some previous years where we um, um, kind of hang with them for a while till halftime, then don't make appropriate adjustments. Then Iowa comes out and runs the football about, you know, um, 25 out of 30 times in the second half and just beats us to a pulp and ends up winning 42 to 21. All right. Well, we'll see who is more correct at our next podcast, which, once I, like I said earlier, we'll be doing in person. We may have a special guest yes. on. We'll see yeah. how that goes. Uh, so, yeah, 
Thank you all out there for listening to this episode of College Football Throwdown. You can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a rating or review. We always love hearing from the fans. So thank you all very much out there for listening, and thank you for co-hosting with me today, Dad. This was fun. This was fun. And we're hoping for a Nebraska W over our rival, Iowa, yes. in the Big Ten. Yes. So hopefully we'll be coming back with good news here in a few days. And everybody enjoy Thanksgiving. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.